Kia ora, and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey. It is Monday, August the 8th. This is my daily podcast that goes out with an email newsletter via a substack, my substack, the Kaka. Today I wanted to talk about two things, one overseas and one here. Firstly, uh, the news out of the Taiwan Strait is good for now. China, over the last four days, has been staging its most intense war games and missile tests in the Taiwan Strait since 1994-95. And that's because of Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan last Wednesday, which really made China grumpy. Grumpy is probably an understatement. Um, China, of course, uh, believes that Taiwan is a part of China, and any country that acknowledges its existence or visits it and accords it the status of a formal state uh, gets an awful lot of grief from China. And this was, of course, the first visit by such a senior U.S. official, Nancy Pelosi's third in line to the U.S. throne, so to speak, uh, in almost 30 years. That um, has caused China to threaten all sorts of things, but so far we haven't actually had a conflict. So no one's been shot down, no missiles have landed in Taiwan, no Chinese uh, planes have crashed. Um, This is a good thing. It's uh, not always so clean, and we are not quite out of the woods yet. China has had pledged to do four days of live trials, and they also included a bunch of ballistic missile flights over the top of Taiwan. Now, that's the sort of thing that can um, trigger you know, accidental firing in response and all sorts of grief. So the fact it hasn't yet is a good thing. And the fact we're on the last day of these trials is also a good thing. Why should we care? Uh, surely we've had all of these you know, worries about potential conflict and the likes of Taiwan and in Korea for decades and nothing's happened. Well, of course, it's all fine until the time something does happen because this would be a cataclysmic event for us and for the world because any sort of extended and intense conflict between the United States and China has some immediate effects on the global economy and trade, let alone, of course, the effects on those people on the ground, in the seas, in the air, in and around uh, Taiwan and China. Because, of course, China and the United States are massive trading partners, and nearly 90% of the world's largest container ships went through that Taiwan Strait in the last year. And that's because it's a major shipping route between not just China and the rest of the world, particularly the United States, but also between Japan and the rest of the world, and Japan and China. So if there was some sort of conflict in that Taiwan Strait, which meant that ships couldn't go through, that would be a massive issue, let alone the obvious sensation of trade, massive sanctions that would go on China from the United States. And of course, New Zealand is now very dependent on China. 
not to the extent that we were dependent on Britain immediately after the Second World War and before Britain joined the EU, <laughs> but um, it's clearly our largest trading partner. But more importantly, Australia is our second largest trading partner and it also shares China as its largest trading partner. And remember that if the United States was to launch massive sanctions against China, it would expect its strategic and other trade partners to effectively choose the United States and not to trade with Taiwan. We've seen the uh, pattern here with what happened with Russia. And that would mean New Zealand, which of course does a lot of trade both ways with China, would have to severely restrict or stop that trade. Now, where else would we go? Well, remember at the same time as us having to switch to another country or countries instead of China, uh, we'd have to deal with Australia itself going into some sort of massive recession depression because it completely depends on China for its exports. In fact, its share of exports to China is higher than our share of exports to China. And then the global economy would be in all sorts of deep trouble. Uh, the RAND Corporation has estimated that a one-year conflict in the Taiwan Strait would reduce US GDP by 5 to 10%. So that's getting towards depression territory. And China's GDP would drop 25 to 30%. So aside from the fact we'd be, it would be difficult to trade with China, there may not be an awful lot of demand from consumers. So that's why it's so important to watch what's happening there and hope to heck that nothing goes wrong. Uh, this is a real setback for um, hopes of um, improving relations with China. And it's interesting to see that in the last couple of days, Australia, who had been improving their relations with China since the election of the new Labour government there and the new Foreign Minister Penny Wong uh, reaching out, uh, Australia protested the various threats against Taiwan and Pelosi. And uh, China has come back pretty sharply and been aggressive there as well. Now, we'll have a post-cabinet news conference later on today, which I'll attend here in Wellington. And no doubt this question will be asked and New Zealand's position on Taiwan and what China has done over the last three or four days will no doubt come up. And we'll see what the Prime Minister has said. Now, the second thing worth talking about today, I think, is the national opposition's moves over the weekend. It had its national conference. It was a um, successful affair from a national point of view in that uh, Christopher Luxon cemented his position as the leader. And we saw uh, Peter Goodfellow, the previous president, um, also go step down as, as president and being replaced by Sylvia Wood. So it's very much Christopher Luxon's party now. Uh, on Sunday, he announced a new welfare policy for young unemployed people, which includes a carrot and a stick. The carrot is a $1,000 payment for a young person under the age of 25 who's been on the job seeker benefit for a year and then stays in work for a year after that. The carrot is that Christopher Luxon is saying that um, a national government would use sanctions more aggressively than Labour. He 
challenges. Labor's record on improving job options and and also giving opportunities for young people um, because the number of people under 25 who are on the job seeker benefit has risen by nearly 50% since Labor was in power. Now that seems to clash with what we know about uh, the number of jobs being offered at the moment, but I think it's worth digging a bit deeper into what's going on with those numbers and whether or not it also includes some people who are in effect on sickness benefits but being labelled as on job seeker benefits and I'm keen to find out a bit more about what's really going on there. Uh, because the narrative, which is that you know young people who aren't in work or education or training and who don't have work at the moment when we have a tight labour market are therefore somehow lazy or taking the option of being on the dole instead of working, I think is simplistic and reinforces a uh, untrue view about what's really going on. And I can see why Christopher Luxon has chosen this approach because he can, on the one hand, appeal to nationals base by saying there's a bunch of lazy people who don't want to work, but on the same token, he can appeal to uh, people in the middle of the voting spectrum, particularly slightly older women um, over the age of 30 to 55 who are the key battleground for national and labour in that median voting space. And the carrot of the $1,000 payment and the talk about providing opportunities and also offering what's called a jobs coach to people who are in this position um, might appeal to those people. He has adopted the language of Bill English's uh, social investment approach but it is worth challenging how effective that was, whether it was actually used in a widespread way, particularly for young unemployed, and also whether there is the capacity for these jobs coaches from community groups, because National is not keen to bring this into MSD. So I'll keep an, an eye on this one, and we'll have a chance to ask Christopher Luxon questions at tomorrow's what's called Caucus Run, where the various journalists in the press gallery get a chance to ask questions of both the opposition and the government's ministers in the wild, so to speak, and welcome potential questions, queries from paid subscribers in the comments below. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my dawn chorus for Monday the 8th of August. Thank you again to paid subscribers for uh, supporting the work I do covering housing and affordability, climate change in action, and child poverty reduction. Through my lens, if you like, work looking at the uh, global economy and our local political economy. Ka kite anō.